Um, so listen, I um, I was watching, I'll tell you about a movie I was watching recently. Mm. Um, so Rena actually got me onto this. It's called Kuruta Ipeji, which is uh, mm. a, a page of madness uh, in Japanese. Ah. And it's uh, actually a silent film. So I haven't, I haven't really seen that many silent films. Um, mm. In fact, um, besides maybe Metropolis and... Yes, of course you've seen Metropolis. I didn't yeah. even need to ask if you've seen Metropolis. And uh, I'm just trying to think maybe what else is there. Um, that's the first one that comes to mind. But um, mm. really, um, it was quite well done. It's 1926 Japanese. Um, very, um, you know, you could, technically you can see it's very... Um, you know, it's aged, you know, they, they didn't really have that much gear to work with, but the story is very beautiful. It's this kind of descent into madness of this, um, this uh, janitor living in a, in a, in a, in an asylum. And it just, I found it really interesting because it reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, I read a lot of that the literature from that period from sort of the, the 1920s in Japan, the Taisho era. And a lot of them, you know, went crazy. It was just a thing that was happening. You know, you got Akutagawa, um, and these different people. And it's actually um, this based on a story by Kawabata, who, as you know, is one of my favorite authors, Yasu mm. Kawabata, I mean, from his early days, because he's kind of got these two phases where in the early days, in the 20s, he was just a young gun um, mm-hmm. doing short stories with his friends. And that was the um, um, kind of the, the, the club of guys hanging around Tokyo doing that. And then in his later life, he did some of the other stuff. But this is from that sort of earlier period. Um, um, I think the, the magazine they were working on is called Bunka Jidai, which is like, um, oh no, Bunge Jidai, sorry. So like a, a short magazine and a lot of these guys collaborated. And it was so, it's like a period in time that I get really nostalgic about, but uh, not that I was there, but you know what I mean? Well, maybe <laughs> um, you were. Maybe I was. Um, but yeah, it's a really well done story. So it's actually on YouTube. It's public domain. So if anyone gets a chance to check that out, um, I mm. highly recommend it. And there's a version, there's a couple of versions, but there's one that's got a really good soundtrack that was actually, I think it's like Criterion or something. So... Mm. I don't know if that one's um, public domain, but uh, the one we saw anyway, um, it had this soundtrack that was made for the um, for the film. Oh, so, fantastic! Uh, which is really cool because I think having a silent film with no music is, is pretty pretty banal. But if you've got the soundtrack, it really just you don't even need the the words. You know, uh, it just it just works. Um, have you yeah Have you seen anything lately? Um, you know what, actually. No, surprisingly, and that's a really boring answer. Um, it's okay. But in in the you know towards the end of living in Tokyo, my wife and I really got deeply into Ozu Yasujiro yeah. Ozu, yeah. Yeah. and I've already talked about him a couple of times in the podcast. But um, I really do love his slice of life storytelling, and how every single one of his movies is pretty much the same thing and he's just going over this story refining it making it better wiggling you know wriggling out the wrinkles well, what did he what did he call himself the tofu maker or something like that right he just does one thing and one thing only ah uh, that's yeah. right yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that makes so much sense and you know all of his stories are about um or, or most of his stories are about the mother figure in the family has died. The father has been left alone with the daughter. The daughter is going to leave home because she's getting married. Basically, this is the the Ozu way. Um, and you'd think that it, it would be really boring watching this over and over again, but Ozu has a special way of making movies that are just so captivating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm really, I'm really into it, and especially his last one. 
Um, An Autumn Afternoon, I think, was his last movie. Is, it, is, that, is that the one with the opening scene of um, like some like a factory? And it's because um, is it is it is it because the, the the Japanese name is it Samanoaji? Is that the one we're talking about? Samanoaji, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that his last yeah. film? I think I think that's his last film. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, because that's color. Um, and it's, it's that probably, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's probably my favorite of his. Um, and yes. uh, there's actually a Danchi sort of subtly referenced in that film. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I. I, I, I it's funny because I, I I knew it was in the film, but when you actually try to find it, it's really subtle. Like there's just a a, a, a sort of a fleeting reference to it, and because they're not they don't actually live in the Danchi. They're living in like a. Mm. I mean, it's it's kind of like a Danchi, but it's a, a company uh, apartment. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the you, you do get references to it. But at that point, they were clean and new, and and mm. and, the, and the new Japan. So I, I I sort of came back to that when I was working on that series. Um, and yeah, just some of the stuff like the I think the the train station that the um, I think it might even be Ikegami Station or something where it's sort of South Tokyo. Um, but yeah, just everything about it is just beautiful. I mean, yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and, 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 and the Chishu is fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen that actually. I should, I should no, check. I mean the 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 main actor. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Chishu. Sorry. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, you're, you're good. Oh yeah, no, I'm trying to think. Is that the husband of the? Uh, Oh, the, no, the the wife of the um, character? No. Um, so Chishudu is the, uh, the always the father figure in oh, all the movies. The grand, he's yeah. the one who's always playing the father or the grandfather. or um, And he's pretty much in every single uh, awesome movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's, it's all coming back to me. So um, yeah. he's the guy who was in the war and he's talk and he goes into the bar and he orders the... Um, yes, yes, yeah, yes, 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 and, yes, yes, and, yes, and, yes. Yeah, and the, uh, the young guy comes in and he's like, oh, Captain, like... Uh, and he's marching around the bar yeah. and oh, I fucking yeah. love it. And he's it. like, you know, imagine, imagine if we'd won the war, we'd be in New York drinking, uh, yes. <laughs> you know. It's um, so great. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, you got me there. Um, now that's... Um, Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I know what it's like, though. Time gets away on you and you don't get time to watch movies and stuff. Um, uh, well, I've been reading, um, which is good. Um, I finally started reading Malcolm Gladwell's The Outliers. And it's one of those books that I've wanted to read for so long and I've just never like come across it or found it. Um, but really fascinating like you know he he takes a dive into a lot of topics um but most famous is of course his idea of about the the 10,000 rule a uh, 10,000 hour rule sorry mm. that if you want to get really good at something you need to practice it for 10,000 yeah. hours yeah. and um that was fascinating but also he starts talking about how if you were born in 1954 or 1955 around there you were perfectly like of age when technology started to grow. So for example, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, um, and uh, the guy who started Google, what was, what oh, was his name? Sergey. Larry Page? Yeah, those guys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were all born within like one year of each other, yeah. all of them. And Malcolm Gladwell was saying that um, this was the perfect age because when you were 21, 
technology was was starting to grow you were old enough to take advantage of it you weren't too old that you were having babies and having families you weren't too young that you were still in high school you were ripe at the technology boom which is why uh, all these companies are founded by people who were like one year apart that's, that's interesting you mentioned that i'm gonna hit you back on that though and say that applies in that very specific scenario, but there is the idea of I think they call it the Texas mm. sharp, the Texas sharpshooter or something where you know you, someone you know just shoots a whole bunch of bullets and then you just happen to find two that are together right you circle them yeah. and say all right this guy's a great shot um, yeah I, yeah, I would no I would hit, yeah I would hit back and say like you know I think there were a, a couple of maybe macro things that were happening. And and that just so happened to be that those guys could do that. Um, but, yeah, there, yeah, there was definitely a luck of the draw and all sorts of things that helped them. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of technology, though, um, I've been um, on that. Other, I, was, I was mentioning I was on another podcast uh, the other week. And um, they kind of put me in a corner, and they're like, "Oh, Cody, so tell me about NFTs." I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm, I'm oh, not really, I'm not really, I'm not really a spokesman <laughs> for uh, NFTs, but I do know um, uh, some of our patrons have asked us to talk about that uh, previously, um, and just give our thoughts and and ideas there. So, uh, 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 is that is that a topic that you're you're interested in? Hundred percent. Yeah, let's let's deep dive into the NFT. Because um, well, we've, we've been talking about creative stuff, but I kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk about some technology. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, you know, people following it, you know, it kind of had this parabolic thing happen where it's like, it, yeah. was, it was big, big, big. And now it's like, oh, it's dead. No, mm. no one's doing it. Um, has it finished? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, mm. We, yeah, I, I, I kind of saw it coming uh, a little bit and I was like, okay. This thing's definitely going to have a, a big hype cycle. Everyone, every uh, Tom, Dick, and his dog, as we say, is going to get on the bandwagon. But uh, now that it's kind of, you know, oh, well, that's finished, uh, it's actually a really good time, I think, to come back to what it, it actually is and what it potentially offers for creatives mm. and artists um, as kind of a new, I guess, a new way of operating, um, uh, a new way of interacting with audiences, a new way of kind of uh delivering work as well i mean there's a whole bunch of things wrapped up wrapped up into it and i'm not fully sure i mean it's kind of an emerging thing you know it's it's not it's not decided yet so i mean what what is your take on on the situation i think i liked the um there really was a community focus uh with the nft artists that were around and i feel like um in in the NFT world, uh, even just like what three months ago, we sold our piece on Foundation. It was like three months, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And thank you to to anonymous. Uh, yeah, I w I wish we knew who that was. That uh, bought it uh, yeah, they... it's it's all good. They they can they might you know it could be Satoshi. Oh, yeah, they yeah, might yeah. get in contact. Yeah, yeah. Um, during that whole time, <laughs> three months ago feels like <laughs> so long ago. Three months ago. Um, during that time the the push was like community 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 and i really i really like seeing this uh something that i'm really really fond of um artists helping out artists but at the same time if you really i don't know about i, I don't know about you buddy but if 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 I really started delving into it and I started looking through Twitter and seeing all these people talking about community and, oh, you've got to support the NFT community or you're not going to make any sales, blah, blah, blah. It all just seemed like a smokescreen and it was just like, 
it was just the biggest artist that everybody was trying to get you know mm. love from or, or the biggest artist that everyone was trying to support uh, the yeah. little artists weren't really getting anything i'll tell you what man like if i was to categorize it like i think the whole that you know that, that those three months ago um it, it made me feel quite uncomfortable you know sometimes and i in a way it was just like I, I think there was a lot of potential, which I still see, and I, I want to talk to you a bit more about. But um, I think the issue with uh, the shilling and all of that um, mm. kind of came to a head. And as we've talked about previously, you know, I think social media can be um, toxic sometimes. Um, it can make it can make it difficult to create. Um, there's a reason historically why artists often tend to. Um, have periods where they're working by themselves and in and, and this flow state, the 10,000 hours, all of that stuff is like, yeah, you, you can't do that when you're, you're tweeting, you know? Um, yeah. So I think there was kind of some issues there. Um, and then I think also from a macro level, people were sort of like, well, what is happening here with crypto more generally? What's happening with technology? Um, you know, a lot of fear, a lot of misunderstanding, that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, what's the long game here? Um, mm. you know, we, we sold a number of pieces, uh, together. You and I collaborated on the moments, um, with little, um, so yeah, for people listening, so little videos, um, based oh, and I guess animated images with, with a story and, and sound, a soundscape by yourself. Be, does it, is that, is that how we're, we're going to talk about them? Is that what I they think are? So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like little slices of life, little slices of life. And you can go check them out and, and see what they are. But the idea was that they were, um, potentially the one of the first you know blockchain based stories um, yeah and making full use of the media so you know being able to use the um, IPFS inter interplanetary file system you know storing it on the you know on the chain uh, the details of it um, all of that so it's 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 there and it you know with each sale it kind of unlocks the next one was the idea mm. right and yeah I had this kind of grand vision. And we, we kind of worked it out as we went. So we didn't have it fully nutted out at, at first, but we kind of slowly worked out that we wanted to create a system where the community would demand the next one. And so mm. they would have to come together somehow or someone would have to, you know, commit to buying the next, the latest piece or, or, or one of the pieces in the storyline to kind of unlock the next piece of the story. The next one. Um, and, and I thought there was something really powerful there because looking at the ways that artists put out work for free and they just put stuff out there and they just go, go, go. And then they have to kind of find these other little ways to monetize it, which are often kind of quite secondary. Um, and that can be very hard for people to actually uh, successfully do, you know, and um, with this, it was like a really direct way to say, well, if you want to see the next one, if you want to see the next episode, you, someone has to buy it. It doesn't have to be you, but somebody has to buy it. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, and we, we didn't really, I mean, we haven't really tried to scale this up or anything, but the idea is that, you know, they would have to find find a way to do that. And mm. um, it, it kind of worked. We, we sold the latest. We sold seven, was it, or six? Yes. Num six. Num number six. And then that unlocked the next ones. And mm. we're sort of uh, still sitting there. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering one day, you know, maybe someone – because we got we do have the next piece of the story ready to go, don't we? We do. We do have it ready <laughs> to upload and, and go. And I think uh, – you know, possibly three months down the line when, when Ethereum gets a bit more traction again and we enter the bull bear market. Bull no, market. So I, I, the bull, <laughs> they run the bulls in Spain and bears hibernate. That's, that's the way. Oh, that's how you know. Yeah. Right, that makes total sense. So right. next time you get the 
bull market, maybe a bit more traction. But yeah, I just, I know what you mean, what you said earlier about like shilling it and trying to get it in front of people. It just felt really like we were working for uh, Amway or something, you know, like this pyramid scheme. <laughs> oh, actually, I mean, Amway gets a bit of, bit of flack, but um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, pyramid schemes, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's controversial, really. I mean, the, the other issue is also at a higher level, we're talking about crypto, mm-hmm. it's like there is a whole... Um, was it a whole kind of group of people who are like, yeah, this everything that's not Bitcoin is a shit coin, um, as they say. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, is Ethereum really going to stand up to the test of time, you know? Um, mm. Because mm. There, there are other networks emerging um, that can kind of handle stuff a little bit better, um, especially some yeah. of these, these big things. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, man. It's, it's an emergent. So, you know, there's no answers, really. It's just sort of... Yeah. Um, and literally, it was just three months ago, like the the explosion. It was just so popular. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 really interested though in in sort of some of the changes that are taking place, and just sort of some of the conversations. You know, like uh, I got some good friends uh, who are working in that space, and um, you know, uh, build working in, on on meta space uh, metaverses. Mm. Um, so like, uh, you know, building spaces that are you know. Um, you know, they live on the blockchain, the ownership of, of parcels of land and things like that. And then you can go and explore these spaces uh, in your browser mm-hmm. and that. And looking at what they're doing and, and saying, wow, this is this is really fucking cool. Um, and uh, actually, I, I have a friend working on uh, Substrata, which is a, another metaverse. And, uh, you know, he gave me a parcel and I was able to put some of my artwork on there and that. And it's like, this is this is really cool. It's... it's um, it's kind of like the, the dream of like VR and um, kind of the internet as imagined back in the day, like back in the maybe the, the, the late nineties, early two thousands. People, like, what's the future going to be like? Because did, did you ever did you ever see Second Life? Was that did you come across that? Was that the video game where you make a avatar and then you can have a go second around? life? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day, and that was like I, I remember reading about that as like you know the. Uh, you know in postmodern thought that was like this this huge thing it's like wow you know we're going to fully simulacra ourselves into the machine and it's like compared to what's possible today it's like man that's just it's nothing you know um so things are moving so quickly now um in a way the theorists and the kind of the the people looking at things critically are almost unable to keep up you know that's sort of being dragged behind you know the bandwagon's going 100 miles an hour and these guys just were trailing behind um but it's really interesting and and just seeing how you know as, as i kind of open my mind to what kind of what's happening because i think it's easy to not to get yourself into a position where you're not seeing what's going on and, and you've got set ideas and you know okay i'm not going to deviate from there i know what i know and people think that doesn't happen until you get really old or whatever but man it happens at any age um and you have to actively fight it in a way um and so looking at kind of where things are emerging, kind of the, where are the ground swells? What are people doing? What are younger people doing? You know, because, you know, you and I, you know, we, we, we knew what was up once upon a time, but now it's like, yeah, there's actually a whole another generation pretty much who's coming into tech mm. and, 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 you know, um, you know, young adults and, and that. And, you know, interfacing with things in a completely different way to the way you and I did at that age. And, looking at what they're doing, they're going to be carrying that with them all the way through, you know, as they get mm-hmm. older. And so, and that's market change, you know, that's things changing. And I don't know, as I work with more people and, and sort of see what people are doing, I'm like, damn, man, 
you got to just keep your head, your your eyes open, ears open, and just be humble and listen to what people are doing, see what they're doing, you mm. know, and just kind of yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And and I'm I'm just reminded of what you said earlier when you said that you saw the NFT uh, boom. You 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 did predict it a little bit right like oh, yeah. you you introduced me completely to it. i had absolutely no idea about what it was before you said anything um and we started talking about it i would say about a month and a half before the you know the um news articles in in nyt new york times and all like this you know we started talking about it about a month and a half before that. So how did you? How did you know, man? Oh, well, I mean that—that's not. I mean that's not really that much foresight, really. I guess. But like, I—I I had been exposed to it um, through, um, I guess, through some of my friends here who were working on these like, on these metaverses, and you know how they were selling parcels of land, and you know, and and they had built these systems. And and what I was, I mean, I was quite aware of of what it was, and I I had just, I guess, what I was trying to work out is how do I how do artists apply this, you know, because a lot of it was, you know, uh, fancy hats and um, and these kind of virtual parcels. But there was all this, you know, these systems that people would have to build to, to be able to uh, offer that. But how does an artist come in and, and interface with that? Um, and, and I was just trying to kind of ideating. And I actually had a chat with my friend. I was like, oh, man, you know, we could run some virtual galleries, you know, that link through to the work and da-da-da. And um, he... Yeah, he actually had a spot on crypto voxels like a really good parcel and we're like oh man we throw you know we should do a gallery up on there um and i just i i think what held me back was i was like i didn't want to just put in like you know the, the same old thing that i'd done and just put it into this thing and it's like oh it's yeah. now it's now new so I, we, I kind of wanted to make something that you know fit the media and and that was with these conversations with you and i was like oh man what what can we do here and we decided on this kind of animated format um and I think it was cool, you know, like I think we there was a really good concept there, but there was also at the same time everyone doing everything and yeah. all of these kind of memes and it was kind of the Wild West in a way and a, a lot of noise, a lot of, was it noise to signal, <laughs> signal to noise. Yeah, ratio. Um, and so, again, coming back to the long term, if there is a long term uh, with this, I think it's like, you know, a maturation of the work, something a little bit more, solid you know i could see things where it's like you know episodes of a show where it's like yeah to unlock it you gotta you know somebody has to somehow you know engage with it to kind of make it uh, available um or everyone kind of gets a key to it you know things like that and not in a draconian way i don't want to see it used for like copyright the um you know digital rights protection i mean if the community has paid for it the community gets to see it you know what i mean like that, that's kind of what i think and that's what we did with the stories with the moments um because ultimately i, I kind of i i think it's easy to get quite protective of things and kind of cloister you know sort of hold, hold them too close and then they never get to breathe and the issue is of course uh, you know for artists trying to sell stuff and make money it's like well it's hard you know um and so you think well shit if i just give it away and then you get nothing back you've just given it away but and then that's the, just been the default mode of operation for years right um and you know what that's like. It's like, how do you get people to hear it? But how do you also get them to pay for it to support your practice and your work? Um, and I kind of just thought, yeah, there was, you know, there must have been, there's something in there where it's like you can connect the dots and, uh, you know, people can support the work. The artists get paid. There's no there's no BS in the middle. 
um, and and it just happens. But I think we're still kind of working that out, you know, mm, mm, at the moment. But yeah. I think you know, if if somebody did buy the the last piece of moments, the, the latest piece. foundation, the yeah. latest piece, sorry, yeah. yeah, we would we would come back and upload the next one, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so the project's still alive. It's it's on its back burner mode, and again, but I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're just not shilling it. Right? We're, yeah, not actively shilling. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just felt so dirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't shill. Um, I, I think it's yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, and then the bigger idea, which I'm just, I, I feel like this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. So I hope that's okay. Um, mm. The bigger idea I have been thinking about lately is what, what I'm going to call the hacker ethos, um, and this oh. is something that's really important to me. Um, so, you know, reflecting on kind of going back to the old days, you know, I think we're all kind of geeks in our own way. And and we we, we all kind of go through these phases. And if, if I go back to kind of my origin story and, and where a lot mm. of the work, you know, a lot of the work came from, it was this kind of wandering and, and, and spending time by myself, you know, you know, all of this sort of thing. Um, and a lot of that, in a way, is uh, kind of connected with this idea of the hacker. And, you know, people that say, oh, you know, ransomware hackers, you know, that, that's a whole thing. But kind of the old school hacker, which is like curiosity, to, you know, tinkering with technology. Um, if, they weren't, if it wasn't a computer, the previous generation would be tinkering with, with uh, vehicles or in a workshop, mm-hmm. where, you know, working on something. Just these kind of ideas of just kind of playing with things and, and trying ideas out, you know, kind of going against status quo sometimes, doing your own thing, um, being independent, all of that sort of, uh, sort of thing. And I've been coming back and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is something that I, it was actually quite formative for me. I mean, so what I mean by that is, you know, uh, this idea of like, you know, individual sovereignty, um, having, having a plan for yourself, you know, not kind of being sort of semi-skeptical of what's going on, but also like, you know, not turning yourself off to what's going on. Um, and there's just, I think there's been this idea with technology, with big social media companies, with big market, you know, internet companies and that where it's like, We've all just become numbers, you know, and we've become mm. kind of just a, a quantity. Um, and one of my favorite movies, my guilty pleasures, is uh, actually actually called uh, Hackers, you know, um, mm-hmm. with Angelina Jolie. Um, <laughs> and and there's a scene where the guys like the the guy was it the plague, you know, the, the bad guys like ah, oh, you know, see all those normal people that like cattle. <laughs> and, we're the, and we're the cowboys um but anyway uh, this idea of like the, the you know this kind of individual who's able to just kind of sort this shit out and, and and have a plan and you know isn't falling into line with necessarily what is wanted by the powers to be and i know that sounds a bit political but what what i saw with some of this technology that's emerging is kind of a, a, almost like a loop back to some of those old school internet ideals kind of from the old days, you know, um, before all of these big companies took over. Um, and, you know, like, even with something like email, you know, so I started using, um, I got off Gmail, I started using ProtonMail, you know, and that's like, how is it? That's great, man. Like based out of Switzerland, you know, they're not scanning my shit for advertisement. Um, mm. I, I was a little bit like, oh, is it going to be okay? Um, but yeah, man, they just updated their thing. And I'm not trying to shill that, but, but you know, <laughs> that, that just to make the step to do that, it was like, I don't know. It was like this like mental step because it becomes so normal to be like, well, just hook up to Gmail, you know, do Google. Sure. And it's like, man, that's, these guys do not care. And, you know, they could shut your emails down, all of that stuff. Um, and we've, we've let it happen. And going back to the kind of the old school, you know, 
the, the real way, it's like, yeah, man, manage it yourself. And it, with email in particular, you can't really do that because it's, uh, you know, the technology that the IPs, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of technical challenges there to run your own email server, but ProtonMail, you know, they're legit and they're just literally a different service provider. It's not that hard to move over to them, but um, just a conceptual thing. And in a way, you know, NFTs, crypto, all of this stuff, um, emerging stuff, macro stuff, it, it kind of doesn't, it's not clear until you kind of really look at it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, are you talking about like carving your own piece of the internet? I guess you're sort of, talking, you know, making your own website, making your own blog, sort of ste- stepping away from uh, Tumblr and all this and you know, yeah, well, there's, carving there's, your own. These services, and this is classic postmodern um, kind of thought, but there's this guy, Marshall McLuhan, uh, and he was like mm. this, this old school theorist, and he's like, um, the medium is the message. Um, and this is like one of these things they teach you like your first year at university studying media. And it's like, um, and what he means by that um, is like the way that you, you engage with a, a thing, you know, if it's a television, because in his day it was talking about television. So mm-hmm. you're engaging through some, engaging in, you know, in, in, through the television, that's going to inform the way you see it. And so the context is really important. And so the medium defines the message. And so if the medium that you're engaging with is Facebook or Tumblr or whatever, that's the, the lens, that's the, the pipe that you see the world through. Um, and I, I think in a way we've kind of forgotten that because internet's become so, you know, so common and, and, and not, not just like, I mean, in the old days, you know, there's people who are, you know, not connected, but now everyone's super connected all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, everything's getting funneled through these kind of same three pipes. Um, and what that means is your ability to kind of look outside of those pipes is really limited. And I find that quite uncomfortable, you know. Um, it's like we're all just the, the cattle again. Um, yeah, yeah. How are you dealing with social media at the moment? Are you oh, still off Twitter? And No, no, I, I, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I, I come through these phases, but I'm coming into a phase now where I'm feeling a lot more comfortable just kind of saying it as it is. And mm-hmm. I think I went through many years where I was like, okay, I don't really want to say anything. I don't think I have anything that anyone really wants to listen to um, anyway, but that's kind of just, you know, just me being me. But like I, I realized, and, and you know, I, I did that um, talk the other day. I've been doing these talks with you and I'm like, yeah, there's, there's things that probably no one else is, you know, there's things that I should say that, you know, mm. people should hear. And um, I, I think if I don't say them, who's going to say them and kind of, you know what I mean? Like, well, you have a unique take on things, you know. You, you've lived abroad for 10 years. You've come back home. You see things in a different way, uh, which is great. And it's it's really good to to chat to you about this kind of stuff because yeah. you do. I, I'm really, it's really good that I can just feed you a little nugget of information and then you just run with it for yeah, so yeah. long and you have yeah. so much to say. Yeah, but, you know, I think with, um, I guess, the, I, I don't really have a, a theme here, but I guess what I'm getting at is like I, th- I think there's something there um, that is getting me really excited and, you know, with just seeing what's happening with Bitcoin, um, seeing what's happening with NFTs, um, I, I just feels like there's something, there's a groundswell and there's a lot of negative negativity. There's a lot of people who are like, yeah, this, you know, they're not looking at it, they're, they're, you know, there's criticisms of it and um, that's all good, you know, that's part of it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, this is like we're back in the early days of the internet when thing, things were kind of free and it was a wild west and, and bad things happened, good things happened, but it was it was creation, man. And that was like, you know, you're talking about Bill Gates, um, was it 1955? 
Mm. You know, we're, we're talking like, man, 2021, you know, that was the year that shit really got real, yeah. you know, and, you know, economies started putting reserve currencies and digital, you know, crypto, you know, and people started selling digital artworks and it was this whole thing. And I, I don't know, it just seems like it's like the beginning of a thing and a snowball. And when you can start to see the snowball coming and you actually look up and you're like, holy shit, it's, it's coming. And then you look around, no one else is looking at it, and it's just this thing on, a, you know, on the on the news that they scroll past. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. It's it's exciting, but also kind of like, wow, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's difficult to know what to do. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're still in it. If uh, you know, if we do get a sale one day, we'll probably what? yeah, no, no, back on it a little bit. No, no need to shill, but yeah, no, we're we're all good. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not going to ever talk about it again. But um, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. on the podcast we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see where it kind of goes because I it, it, there is a storyline there we've talked about, um, and I've got yeah, I've got some ideas. But yeah, let's we'll put that into its into its box. Um, put on the back burner. Yeah, on the turn back the burner. gas down. Um, what do you think about um, starting a commune? Is that something that you'd be interested in? You, like you mean you and me? Community, off the, the grid, off the grid sort of thing. Well, actually, I've started... Oh, hang- not, not necessarily you and me, but what about you? Uh, so I've actually started hanging out with these guys. Well, I've been hanging out with them for ages, but um, they call themselves the solar punks. Um, and so, I mean, I'm again, I, I'm a hacker, but I'm also a cyberpunk, you know, before it was cool. Um you know, I was, yeah. Um, but these solar punk, um, we might have talked about this, this idea of like a utopian cyberpunk future. Um, mm. if, if cyberpunk is the dystopian megacorps, solar punk is the citadels, Bitcoiner, everyone has a, a, a great standard of living in the world and human dignity is restored to every single person, right? And this idea that like um, using solar power, renewable stuff, um, growing your own food and vegetables and, and but also using the best aspects of technology, um, so one of my friends is working on um, a system of modular furniture and like structural design. And you can um, basically, you know, build a design and that, that it's kind of like Legos, but for larger structures um, using these like wooden um, kind of wooden uh, standard wooden peg things. And uh, he built like a, a, a table and a bunch of things and it looks really cool. Um, and uh, this idea that you know you could have these like kind of apply this like mass production kind of methodology to um you know stuff that people could actually use uh in in their daily lives in a really sustainable way so using pine and like sustainable forestry for these materials um Mm -hmm. and that so i I thought that was uh, that was really cool and and that's kind of like semi-commune kind of van life kind of kind of stuff um and uh that there's a little bit of that in New Zealand, actually, to be honest. Um, and if people are interested, it's called GridKit. That's the name of the company. Um, GridKit. Well, VillageKit is the bigger company, and then GridKit is one of these products that um, is for the tables and the furniture. Um, but yeah, there is actually quite a lot of communes in New Zealand, man. Like people don't realise, but there's I a bet. lot of there's a lot of people who live off the grid. Um, it's not quite like maybe like the United States where you get these like survivalist types, but. There, there is communities here and because it's such a small country, you can kind of like go dip into the city and get stuff if you need to. Um, it's, I, I don't know though. It's, yeah. I, I'm a little bit like, Oh, not fully sold on the idea like of a, of a benign dictatorship in, in the village. But um, yeah, I don't know. What about you? Like you're going to start a commune on the boat or. 
I, I would absolutely love to. I, I mean, me and Chia Chan have always been talking about this sort of idea of building a small community where everybody there offers something to the group. <clears throat> so maybe we'd get a baker, you know, a coffee maker, uh, a carpenter, you know, and just sort of like build this up. And then everybody has something to provide and we just oh, swap share everything. Bro, you just, you've just, you've just reminded me of something I came up with years ago when I was back in Tokyo. So I had this idea for uh, a commune because um, uh, uh, there's this, do you know the word saw like best saw or something like uh, like uh, the second, second house that some people have and like, and no. And, you know, you say in the old days, people used to have like a second house up in the mountains in Japan. Oh, like, right. And it's called like a best, like a best saw, like a betsu, betsu saw. Um, but the kanji saw is like a, I think it sort of means like dormitory or like, like place, mm-hmm. like, like, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of building. Um, and um, it, uh, so, for example, like the manga writers that um, did like uh, Doraemon and that um, Astro Boy, they stayed in um, to- in a place called Tokiwaso in um in uh, in uh, East Tokyo, uh, so anyway, th- I had this idea of uh, making a like a place like that, like a kind of a, a building that people mm-hmm. could stay in, and calling. I was going to call it Hakumai So, like right, white rice, uh, you know, dormitory. Nice. And I had, I've actually got the designs s- still for it. Like I had like this like uh, hanko, and I made all this stuff for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the idea was it was like a kind of a literary creative retreat, like a place people could go and work on projects in that very, in a very Japanese way, you know what I mean? Like kind of the yeah. shokunin, you know, just like the zabuton and maybe, you know, like, um, you know, like an old wooden building. It has um, to be wooden, yeah. Yeah, like a, like a farmhouse kind of a thing. And I, oh, I, had, I, I had these ideas, you know, I was like, oh, man, that'd be so cool. And actually, I, there was a... Um, is that um, Lewis Mendo did the almost perfect? Almost was that, perfect. Was that near you guys? Or it was uh, Asaksa, wasn't it? Did you ever get out there? Or yeah, I went. I went to meet Lewis, um, and I, I still chat to him from time to time. But he his idea almost perfect was he bought this old rice house, didn't he? Mm. This old rice work. It was like a kuda, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he turned it into an artist retreat where the top bedroom was um sort of like airbnb style where you can rent it out but what he would do is when somebody moved in to stay he would help them set up an exhibition at the end of their stay he would show them all the places in japan to you know get some inspiration and he would sort of develop their artistic style and i really i love that idea so That's much cool. yeah, yeah yeah i feel bad because they were hit by the the pandemic quite hard I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think he, he's got a bunch of, you know, stuff he does, illustration. I've only met like, Oh, he's totally doing fine. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. not struggling. I've only met him once, I think. But, um, yeah, the I think the idea there, though, which is definitely a very Japanese thing, right? I, I, this idea of like an old an old building and, and using it as a space. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of, de, of the Deacon Street as well. You know, you guys kind of have mm-hmm. that thing going on there. Do you, you must miss that sort of vibe a little bit or... I miss the community aspect of like local businesses. Like we were super close to all the local businesses around us and we would do uh, collaborations with, um, there was a cut sew manufacturer around the corner and they did, um, they made these beautiful big uh, baggy shirts and they dyed them with our coffee. So they were sort of, they were sort of coffee colored 
And um, I just, I adore that, like working together. We had a lot of waste, obviously, from our coffee. We were throwing away kilograms of it every day. So, you know, give it to a local business to use. Um, we had the honey, you know, the honey farm just around the corner. We would sell their honey and products and stuff. I just love that. And I, I want to do that, but more on a sort of personal, closer scale, not in east tokyo but in sort of uh, the backwards of new zealand yeah to be honest though like if i could hit you with an idea like i have a feeling that the reason that feeling is so strong when you're in japan and if anyone's been to japan you, you uh, there's not even like a way of really describing this this, this feeling but you know that the mm. idea of like little like a cozy little place that is your own i think mm. maybe is, is the, the easiest way to describe it that sounds a bit quaint, but it is actually like something that becomes really important the longer you live there because it's such a big city and so impersonal that you, you kind of need your own space. And you were talking about Brian Eno before and how he made his quietest music when he was living in New York, right? And so <laughs> when you're living in the biggest city where you're the most nameless you know, person, you're just another number on the subway, that's when you desire the most to have this like place that's like your own little um, you know, mm. safe, safe haven. Um and I definitely, you know, I can, I can respond to that because in Wellington, you know, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, man, I see my friends on the street all the time. Um, it's a small place. I can walk anywhere, you know, and I can like just turn up at people's places and, and let myself in and help myself to food, you know, like it's that kind of city already. It's a small town kind of, you know, and so I, I don't feel the need to be like, oh, well, I need another place that I can call my own. That's like a safe, you know, a beautiful, uh, small slice of life, you know, yeah. um, and if anything, I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I'm nostalgic for the way it was in Tokyo. Because, you know, you'd go, it's like, you know, you, you go from A to B. It's like you go from your house, you've got to go on all these trains to get to this cool little cafe that's your own little place. But in that space, you're, you're comfortable and it's, and it's nice. Because um, I felt that when I was at uni as well, when I was, you know, at, my, at, at Meiji, you know, Meiji Gakuen, or when I, even when I visit my friends at Musashino, you know, at the university, they got this like safe haven, and they can work on their creative projects. And it's it's very quaint, and especially in the winter time, and it's nice and warm inside, and you're working on stuff. And out oh, of the smell of the oil paints, oh, you just got me thinking about it now. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know, like, but you know what I mean. Like, it's when you need it, you look for it. Um, yeah, and you seek it out. And in New Zealand, we we still have that. You know, people go all the way. You know, there's like there is communes here, but I'm like, man. I'm already with my family, you know, I, I see people on the street all the time. We have, you know, we're, it's a very, you know, kind of outgoing and, and loving city. And so mm. I just, I, I don't know, it's kind of been, it's my, my I've been filled up, you know, my, my glass is full with, with that um, and I don't need to fill it anymore. Um, but maybe London is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is very different in London. Um, and, and, you know, people often say that uh, if you live in London, you hate people um, yeah. because there's just too many of them. But I, what you were just saying about Wellington is that uh, it's the sort of same feeling that I get when I'm in Brighton, when I'm yeah. down in Brighton, uh, which is why I really, you know, feel like Brighton is my second home. Uh, although now it's been uh, toppled by Kyoto. Kyoto yeah. really feels like a second home for me. Yeah, yeah. But um, when I'm down in Brighton, I just see people that I know all the time. And there's little cafes that you can go to to work and you feel super comfortable, like you say. It's quite a creative city. It's not as crazy creative as London. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I feel a lot more 
um, creatively free down in Brighton and, and, and also Kyoto now in these small cities where you know people and you feel comfortable and you can yeah you can go around someone's house for a cup of tea and and chill out yeah art and stuff yeah and i I like that it's sort of like a a step back right and and i think that's definitely what is lacking in tokyo for a lot of people and and i found that and so you you do seek out those those little spaces and Mm. i have i've experienced that in a couple of other places like in south of taiwan and in tainan um i i've got to know these guys this australian guy and his uh, wife and kid and they run a like a kind of music studio slash residency as well similar to almost perfect um wow. um i think it's called ting dong or something like listen listen and say or something uh listen and make make the sound or something like that mm-hmm. um and uh oh sorry ting shuo so listen and say and uh they got this little studio and it was so cool because it's like an old school um uh japan uh, uh you know japanese style building in taiwan from the colonial period um, and they've done it up. It's kind of like it's very similar to the kind of you know what an in, in old Japanese building, but it's I think it was stone and or, or, um, or concrete instead of wood. Um, mm. They did it up. They even had some tatami in that. Um, oh, nice. And I was like, man, this is this is cool. You know, um, this is really nice. And he had his studio, and he I, I listened to some of it. He actually does ambient. I might have, did I ever introduce you to him? I don't think so. You're going to have to send him over, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool, the Ting Shui. And they had people come through and do stuff. And um, I was like, man, this this is quaint. You know, this is beautiful. Mm. And I kind of wanted that. And I always want, I always thought, man, if, if, if I could do it again, I would um, do something like that. But the other thing is, you know, you get locked into that thing. And, and I think for me, being kind of back to that hacker ethos and the wanderer and all of that, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of, I don't know, I could see myself kind of wanting to leave it behind pretty quickly, you know? <laughs> After um, five years or something. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not even that maybe. So, um, <laughs> so look, man, it seems like today we've covered a few different topics. Well, I, I think we, we, yeah, it was a nice little... This was fantastic, man. Journey. I really I really like this one. Um, yeah. I think what I might do is be a bit more descriptive in the, the show notes about this one. Yeah. Because uh, we talked about some really nice stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'll write, I'll write some links down down below. Um, that people can check out, especially yeah. that last thing, Ting Shua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just found it. It's um, yeah. I'll send it we'll, through to you. We'll place a link to that. Yeah, yeah. I, and, yeah and I'm going to introduce you to those guys. But hey, look, man, it was, it was really nice to talk. Um, I think we, we've decided, so we made some graphics for the show. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're liking that, right? Love it. Yeah. It's such a beautiful photo. Thank you. That actually interesting that I mentioned the Tokiwaso before that, um, that particular photo was when I was walking around the back streets of uh, Ekota, which is near where Tokiwaso was. Cause that was all of these like manga artists back in the sixties that they lived around there. And it's a funny thing they, they the, the building is gone. They didn't even think about trying to preserve it, but there's now this whole street where they call it like the manga, the manga street where all these guys used to live. Um, but anyway, so we've got the cover image um, and we're kind of doing this a bit more regularly, right? So I'm hoping to do uh, sort of every every two weeks or so is catch up with you, um, talk about some stuff, um, share our ideas, um, see what people say, you know. Um, um, it's now live. It's on Spotify. Um, yeah. It'll that- be on Apple Podcasts soon. Um, they're a bit slow to get stuff up. They have to check it and, like, yeah, vet it. But um, it yeah. should be up on Apple Podcasts really soon. So you let, maybe we can try for the 26th of June or some somewhere around there for the next yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, and we'll um, we'll yeah. keep it up and uh, go from there. But otherwise, um, I look forward to um, the next time we talk. And uh, sweet man, yeah, sweet. Thank you very much. Good to catch up. Okay. Have a good day, man. Right. Take Bye. care. Bye.